Hey folks, this is a special edition of Opposing the Matrix, and it'll excuse me if the sound might sound a little low, but it is approximately 11 o'clock at night on the uh, 31st of January 2020, and there are people sleeping around here, so I want to make sure that I don't wake them up. Um, just want to go into a few things tonight. I'm going to be doing this show solo. We'll be doing another show this coming Monday, and I think Jim said that we're going to have a guest, and I'll let you know more about that uh, via uh, Facebook and other uh, outlets uh, in the day or two coming before the show. Um, like I said, it's Friday, and the show's on Monday, so we'll we'll push forward from there, okay? Um, I wanted to explore something. Um Today, the uh, Senate, um, the United States Senate, uh, came to the conclusion, voted, and they, that they weren't going to accept any more evidence, which I think is pretty pretty good idea because all the evidence should have been presented in the House of Representatives. And since it wasn't, well, you know what? They goofed in a regular court in uh, the United States uh Evidence is presented before, and if anything else is to be added, it really has to go through a lot of scrutiny. There's got to be exculpatory things. Uh, it has to be presented to the other side. The other side has to have a chance to uh, find things that might refute that uh, that evidence. Um, so it's a long process, but things work different with the House of Representatives and the Senate. Uh, once it's turned over to the Senate, basically, it doesn't belong to the House of Representatives anymore, and the Senate can do with it whatever they want to. So, that having been said, um, the articles were, were turned over to the Senate, and the Senate's been debasing it. And uh, it's been a political zoo on the part of the, uh, the leftists that uh, brought the uh, case over to the Senate. Um, I had a laugh the other day. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, Jerry Nadler... Uh, who is uh, part of the enemy? Uh, yeah, evidently he wanted to present something, and I don't think Adam Schiff thought it was a good idea. But he went marching out there, and Adam Schiff was going, "Jerry, Jerry, Jerry," trying to get him to come back. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny because uh, you know he's Adam Schiff is supposed to be the guy controlling the things, and he can't even control his own people. Um, but you know. When in history have Democrats ever been able to control other Democrats and, uh, unless they're all in unison against one cause? And it appears to me uh, that uh, the Democrats uh, or leftists or communists or whatever you want to call them, uh, they're all synonyms with one another. But I think that uh, they don't know their, uh, well, I got to be nice. It's a radio show. They just don't know what they're doing. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, you got a bunch of lawyers in a room and, and you got a bunch of trouble anyway. So uh, that's all these guys are basically is lawyers that have run for public office. So and and lawyers and liberalism and uh, socialism uh, is a very bad cocktail, as we have seen. Um, so let's let's look at uh, the two charges that are were against Trump. I'm going to say were because I think this the whole thing is going to be over on Monday. Um, at least that's what they're saying. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say that there's a senator from Maine and there's <clears throat> McRomney from uh, Utah that um, go around saying that they're the Republicans, but they're really rhinos. Uh, McRomney has uh, made it known that he does like does not like President Trump and he's not doing what he's doing um, for the American people. He's he's actually doing what he's doing uh, for hatred for President Trump. So. Uh, letting personal uh, affairs get in the way of uh, what you should be doing for your constituents is a big no-no. And I really hope that the people of Utah rise up and uh, kick his uh, excuse me, I almost said something again, kick him out of office and, uh, and never let him return. The guy's an embarrassment anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, the two charges against President Trump are abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Uh, you've heard about them wanting more and more documents and everything, and Trump saying, "Well, you know, I've gave you, an, I've given you enough. I'm not giving you any more." And there are certain things that are national security issues that he can't turn over to Congress. Um, you remember uh, a couple of weeks ago? I mean, it might have been a month ago now when uh, Trump. Uh, 
sent uh, 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 what was it a drone? He sent a drone over to the Middle East and took out that leader of uh, the that Iranian general actually. Oh, and Congress is so mad. Oh, well, why would you do that without telling us? Well, yeah, because you would go and tell the Iranians that you, it was going to be done. you got to realize that the uh, the uh, Democratic Party doesn't work for you folks. It doesn't work for the uh, the American people. It works for foreign interests. Um, the Iranians uh, being one of them, George Soros and some other elites uh, thrown, thrown into that mix also. So anyway... Um, so that was the obstruction of justice. And abuse of power was um, now the government is kind of like a business, okay? And being a business, you have a, a CEO, and then you have other people on the board. So let's look at the CEO as being a president, and look at let's look at the other board members as being Congress and the uh, the Senate. Um, so the CEO knows best what's going on. That's why he's the CEO. That's why he gets all the money. Um, he can do the hiring and firing. Yes, he should run things through um, the rest of the board. But if he decides to do something, uh, that's why he gets the big bucks. If what he does um, he succeeds, he, he has earned those big bucks. If he if he fails, then uh, that uh, salary is taken away from him and he's replaced with another CEO. So that's essentially what they're trying to do in Congress. But um, anyway, so uh, abuse of power. So uh, supposedly what happened was um, when Trump was in office, he was trying to make uh, some military deals with the um, Ukrainians. Uh, and Ukraine is, is, oh man, is that a mess over there? You know, you got the Ukraine and you got the Russians who used to basically rule over Ukraine. And, uh, it's just a big mess. Um, there's, there's a war, active war going on over there. You might not know that, but, uh, it's, there's, uh, shots being fired every day between the Ukrainians and the Russian soldiers. And, uh, that's something that the mainstream press leaves out for whatever reason they choose to do that. But, uh, anyway, they do. So um, the deal was that uh, there was uh, the President Trump wanted the uh, an assurance that the uh, the um, Ukrainians were going to investigate. There's a new president in Ukraine, and he wanted a new president to assure him that he was going to investigate some uh, hijinks that was going on with the American ambassador at the time, and and also. Um, some uh, illegal deals that were being made with the Bidens. Uh, uh, I think John Kerry's involved in it. I think Mick Romney has a son that works for an oil company over there. Uh, the whole nine yards, uh, a litany of people. And he just wanted to make sure that that was being investigated before he released any money. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to give money to people, you want to make sure that they're doing the right thing, right? And And if they're... If they're working to uh, to use American uh, citizens to usurp the authority of the United States, then President Trump had every right to ask him to do that. Well, anyway, he, he had already purposed to uh, to release the money anyway. He just wanted the assurance that it was going to happen. Um, it would be like, uh, well, this has happened in my life. You know, your dad comes up to you and says, you know what, I, I'm going to give you this money. He says, you know, you're going to get it. But I just want you to promise me that you're going to do this, okay? That is not necessarily quid pro quo. Uh, quid pro quo means I'll do this if you do that, okay? But that that would be my, like my dad saying, you're not getting this money until you do this, you know? Um, what President Trump did is what my dad would have done. He would have made sure that my heart was in the right place before he gave me the money. Not necessarily that I was going to obey him. Um, he knew that there was a 99% chance that I would, as Trump knew that the, there was a 99% chance that the Ukrainians were going to listen to him and, uh, and start the investigation. And rightfully so, because these people, um, the Bidens and um, the Romneys and uh, the Kerrys and a litany of other people are, are making a lot of money that, uh, what was it, Truman said, if you go into office poor man, you come out rich, you're a crook. You know, so... <laughs> And that's from a Democrat, folks. That's from a Democrat. So take it from a Democrat's mouth that he knew. Okay, so all these people are going in office. So I think that uh, 
there was one thing that said Nancy Pelosi, when she went in office, is worth, was worth 170, was getting paid 174 thousand dollars, and now she's worth, I think, like 30 or 40 million. So you know, you do the math. Uh, these, uh, even if you put it in an interest, uh, a high interest uh, account, it still wouldn't yield that much. Okay. Um, so, and then the same thing with, uh, Diane Feinstein, you know, her husband has contracts with, with, uh, different government authorities that he would probably would not have gotten if she hadn't been Senator. So they're dirty all the way up folks. They really are. And I'm not just saying it's the Democrats. There's Republicans that are doing the same thing. It seems like you get into American politics and, and, uh, the sky's the limit. So anyway, uh, those are the two charges against Trump and, uh, so what's going to happen when, when Trump is uh, exonerated? But let's go back uh, into the 1990s, okay? I don't know if some of you remember this. Some of you might be too young. But there was another impeachment against Bill Clinton, and there were four charges against him. Uh, grand jury perjury, obstruction of justice, uh, perjury, um, just regular perjury in a regular court where uh, the Paula Jones case was concerned, and abuse of power. Okay, uh, those are the only. That's the only one that's similar is abuse of power. Um, my goodness, you talk about. <laughs> you got the Democrats screaming that. Uh, oh, Trump uh, went in and assassinated this guy. Well, Bill Clinton started his own little war over in Chechnya and Bosnia Herzegovina um, when the Czech. Uh, excuse me, when Yugoslavia um, all broke up and. Uh, proclaimed his own war against the Serbs uh, on the auspices that the Serbs were uh, performing ethnic cleansing. Well, everybody in that area was performing ethnic cleansing. If, if the Serbs were doing it, they weren't the only ones. Okay. Um, you got to realize that the geopolitics over there, one country uh, had Catholic origins. The other one um, didn't. Uh, there was, uh, Bo- uh, was it Bosnia-Herzegovina was uh, more of a vassal state of uh, Albania. And uh, so you had, a, you had a lot of things going on over there and uh, a lot of people that didn't like a lot of other people. And it was kind of like a Hatfields-McCoy and Hatfield-McCoy thing, you know, four different countries all trying to duke it out with each other. And uh, really, you know, we should have left uh, European politics to Europeans and not even been involved in it. Um, but Clinton had to get himself involved in it. And, uh, so a lot of people died over there in an undeclared war. And I don't even think Congress passed a resolution to allow that. Uh, so Clinton can do it, but Trump can't. Well, anyway, um, there was a lot of crazy stuff that went on. I remember there was a, um, there was a question and I remember watching this on TV and thinking, what a putz this guy is. What a schmendrick, you know? Um, so, uh, on August 17th, 1998, President Clinton was asked whether, uh, the statement by his lawyer, Robert S. Bennett to judge Susan Weber was, was, uh, Weber Wright, excuse me, Susan Weber Wright, that, uh, and I quote, there's absolutely no sex of any kind in any manner, shape or form with President Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, if that was truthful. And President, I've watched this and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like. You know, I I just like to go give him a dope slap when this happened. And he said, um, well, it all depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. Uh, Clinton explained that if is meant uh, never has been, that uh, that is one thing. But uh, if is meant there there is none currently, then that statement, Mr. Bennett, was it was correct. Um you know, I, I, I'll, I'll give him this, that the question should have been asked in a, in a different manner. And, you know, that probably would have, wouldn't have happened. But to play little word games like that, you know, it was really stupid. And it just showed Clinton for who he was, who he is, and who he'll always be. Um, and hopefully, you know, when, when this all comes down, um, maybe we'll talk a little bit tonight about uh, what might be coming down in 2020. Or in the next four years of Trump's presidency, because he will be reelected, uh, despite what the press is out there saying. Boy, if you believe what the press is saying, then uh, then I've got some beachfront property in Arizona I'd like to sell you. Um, anyway, uh, so let's let's think about what might happen now. Now, when Clinton, all that fiasco went on, you know, it was clear as day that Clinton was guilty of at least two or three of these charges. 
And, um, but you know, these politicians, they go, all go in there and they protect one another. Doesn't matter if they're Republicans, Democrats or what they, uh, they stick along party lines when things like this happen and they protect one another. And, uh, as, as witness with the Trump thing. Um, but, uh, when it was all over with, there was a lot, there are many of us that were really unsatisfied or dissatisfied with, uh, with what happened. You know, the guy was guilty of sin. As a matter of fact, if you uh, saw anything about the raid on the, the Epstein property down in those islands, down in the Caribbean, uh, there's actually a picture of Bill Clinton wearing a blue dress, kind of like Monica Lewinsky had. Uh, um, it's a kind of a sick looking picture. Trust me. Whenever you see a man in a dress, it's, it's kind of sick looking. Um, but um, anyway, uh, kind of mocking that, kind of mocking what happened, you know, like I got away with it. And, uh, but anyway, um, so there were, there were some four charges. And when, when he was exonerated of all those charges, um, there were a lot of us that were dissatisfied. You know, we felt that justice hadn't been served and that he worked the system and that, um, the system allowed him to work the system. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, you know, what's, what's the use, you know, if anybody like you or I had done that, you know, we would have been thrown in the pokey and then found guilty, at the end of the trial, we would have went to prison. But these guys are rich and they're politicians and they, they take care of themselves. And uh, and uh, Clinton hopped or uh, walked merrily away from from the trial, uh, the impeachment, and uh, pursued other adventures, which he's probably going to be arrested for here one of these days soon, him and his uh, Wiccan wife. But um, anyway, uh, so he had four. Trump has two. Trump, uh, I do believe, is innocent from what I've <clears throat> heard about presidential privilege and uh, read about it and um, <clears throat> and understand it. I do believe that it's, a, I hate to say it, trumped up charge. Um, <clears throat> and that has no foundation whatsoever. Um, but the uh, you got to understand that the uh, the uh, the the leftists, the Democrats, realize that they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning against Trump in 2020, so they got to try to take him out any way they can. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that there's probably been several attempts against his life that have all been thwarted um, by a good secret service, and Trump has his own security service, too. I didn't know if you know that, but uh, he realizes that uh, people can be bought and uh, secret services uh uh, some of them are quite partisan, and he doesn't want to take a chance, so he has his own security service. Anyway, um, so let's go back to this. Uh, what what might happen? Well, like I said, we were dissatisfied, as we were with the the election and re-election of uh, Barack Hussein Obama, uh, a guy that was never born in the United States uh, and uh, shouldn't have been president to begin with. Uh, yeah, we could go into his false but or lack of birth certificate, and then then a false one that came out toward the end of his presidency. Uh, we could go into his uh, his wife, who was really a man. Um, we could go into a lot of things about him, but that's not what this show is about. Um, so we were dissatisfied with that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I grew up, my, me and my dad uh, were... Aside from being father and son, we were basically best friends. And uh, Dad was in the uh, United States Army Band during the Korea War. Um, he he did see some action over there, um, but uh, for the most part, not too much. But he he was injured and uh, and and suffered from a form of battle fatigue. Nowadays, they call it PTSD. And it was hard growing up under him, but uh, we all made it and. Uh, Later on, realized that he did the best he could with what he had. But anyway, um, Dad was in uh, the the army band, and they played a lot of uh, army marches. And uh, uh, you know, if there was a Marine Corps general visiting, of course they'd play the Marine Corps hymn and things like that. Dad played the the uh, baritone. He played the trombone from time to time too. He could play both instruments. But um, and so I grew up uh, listening to a lot of John Philip Sousa music, uh, military marches, um, <clears throat> and the like. And uh, to still to this day, every once in a while, I'll get on YouTube and I'll listen to the uh, U.S. Marine Corps band uh, do the rendition of uh, Semper Fidelis or or um, 
Stars and Stripes Forever. And uh, if I put it on 7.1 on my speakers, boy, I'll tell you, it brings tears to my eyes. And and when when uh, Obama was president, I would do that. And boy, it would really bring tears to my eyes because it, it looked like uh, with his presidency that basically it was the death knoll of uh, the United States that uh, after he got out, uh, Clinton was going to get in and that was going to be it. You know, we were going to cease to be a great nation or a nation at all or or we would become a third world um, power. And uh, it was it just looked really bad. So I just would like weep and moan that uh, that things were gone. You know, the American dream was dead, basically. And um, so when he lost and Hillary lost, it was <laughs> it was kind of a, a rejuvenation of the fact that there may be hope. And uh, when I heard some of Trump's speeches, I was even more uh, thrilled because he talked about throwing some of these people in jail and, and, uh, and with the uh, connotation that uh, they were going to be tried for treason and possibly hanged. Um, which still could happen, and I think it will happen, but he can't do it during his first term. He'd never get reelected. Um, when he's a lame duck, he can do whatever he wants to. And uh, believe me, um, I've said it before, and I, I know that Jim and Eric kind of kind of gasped when I said this on the air, but they're not here now. Um, if, if Trump really wanted to finish building the wall, all he had to do was start selling lottery tickets to who gets to pull the push the button or pull the lever or whatever to drop the trap doors under the uh, the nooses when these people are uh, standing there uh, with the noose around their neck. I think that uh, there's enough Americans that would buy into that lottery to, to build the wall and uh, twice over, uh, maybe build one uh, between the United States and Canada too. Um, anyway, that haven't been said. Um, so uh, we were dissatisfied, very dissatisfied, both with the Clinton thing and you know what? I got to admit, I wasn't crazy about Bush either. Uh, Bush uh, was not a Christian, although he tried to come off as a Christian. But the things that he did were not Christian-like. Um, his wife wasn't a Christian. His mother and father definitely weren't. His father was a scoundrel, and I, I do believe he was executed um, for being a traitor. But anyway, that's that's another story for another day. Um, so. We could have got out in the streets. We could have uh, created mayhem and um, maybe did what uh, what Antifa does all the time by, uh, you know, smashing store windows, starting cars on fire, and, and beating up innocent people. Uh, but we didn't do that because we we knew that uh, maybe something better would come along, and uh, we just hoped. We hoped that uh, the Lord would hear our prayers and and that. Uh, you, that God would give us a second chance. And that hope was not in vain. But um, when you look at the mentality of the uh, the leftists, it's, it's not the same. Uh, first of all, society has changed in the last 20 or 30 years. And uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's not the same as when we grew up in the 80s and 90s and maybe the first five years of the 2000s. It's... Um, People have grown cold. Uh, the scripture says, or, or Jesus himself said uh, at the end times that because the uh, iniquity will bound, the love of many will grow cold. And that's what's happened. Uh, there is no love anymore. Uh, used to be the Democrats used to say, uh, I, I might not believe in what you say, but I'll die for your right to defend, to say, uh, to defend your right to say it. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore either. And um, so society's changed uh there's a great polarization between left and right and just to say that a person's a moderate i don't i don't know how you could be a moderate in this in this day and age um with all that's going on you know you're gonna have to pick a side you can't walk that fence anymore i'm sorry either you're you're a, a conservative or you're a leftist that's all there is to it and if you think you're a moderate, you're just you're just uh, fooling yourself, or you're a person that doesn't want to pick sides because you're afraid. Um, and if you're afraid, you're a coward. There, I said it. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so we didn't do anything. Yes, there was a, like a national anxiety for a little while. Uh, there was during the whole Clinton, pre uh, excuse me, yeah, Clinton presidency, and also the the Obama presidency. There was a big national anxiety um, because just what was it seven years six years after the twin towers um we elected a muslim president 
you know, it was like a national insanity had occurred. And I think that that was a given over. Uh, I think the Lord just gave us over to, uh, to ourselves and, uh, we became a very wicked nation. Um, well, half, half of the population anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, we didn't do anything. We didn't get out in the streets. We didn't burn cars. We didn't burn flags. Uh, we could have very easily burned communist flags where Obama's concerned. Uh, we could have burned gay pride flags as far as Obama's concerned, but we didn't. You know, we were, we're willing to give people a chance and to let them live. You know, um, yes, there's fringe elements on both sides. There's there's people that think all gays should die, and there's people that think that uh, all leftists should die, and and uh, there's people that think that all Republicans should die, and those people are getting quite vocal lately, actually, which is an alarming thing. But, um, you know, we just kept our mouth shut and knew that a better day might come, okay? Uh, however, uh, the last three and a half years has proved that the uh, leftists cannot do that. We have the group Antifa that's out there. I, I live about an hour and a half south of Portland. Thank God it's that far away. Um, and every time... Uh, Every time Trump sneezes or coughs or or looks at a um, looks at somebody sideways, they're out there rioting. They're uh, they're marching, and uh, th- that's a whole other society. It's a whole other it, it's <laughs> it's it's like an alien uh, world up there. Um, I refuse to go to Portland. I will not go to Portland. Um, if I'm going to take a plane flight, I'll fly out of Eugene because uh, I will not deal with Portland. Um, and I'm not crazy about Eugene either. So, uh, anyway, um, and that's another subject for another day, the politics in Oregon. Oh my God. (laughs) Jeez. Um, folks, I know that where you live, if you live in the United States, if if you live in a state that you think that's liberal, um, uh, spend some time or I should say do time because that's what it's like. Uh, do time in Oregon, Washington, or California. And uh, you're going to realize that your state's not that bad. Um, it might be going in that direction because it seems like the West Coast always dictates or is uh, kind of the forerunner of what's going to happen in the rest of the country. And God, I hope that doesn't happen to you. I really don't. I really do hope that doesn't happen to you um, because it's hard living here. It's hard with, with having this governor that's uh, – uh, it's almost like she's purposefully um, – like a, a test uh, a test dummy for uh, everything that could go wrong. And, uh, yeah, watch your work in politics if you want to see what the future, your future is going to be like if things don't get turned around. But, um, like I said, we could have gone out and done all those things. You know, I, there's you talk about all the, they're always complaining about the, the neo-Nazis and the skinheads and everything else. Well, you know, they could have had a heyday during Trump's, I mean, excuse me, during uh Obama's presidency and during Clinton's presidency, but they didn't, you know, if you, if you, if you're thinking that they're bad people and, you know, believe me with my heritage, I don't believe it with, I don't believe the same thing the skinheads believe or the neo-Nazis. I'd be a betrayer of my own people if I did that. Um, but, uh, to their credit, they didn't go out and riot. They didn't go out and, uh, mount an uh, armed insurrection against the government which, you know, sometimes I wish they would have. But anyway, um, that's neither here or there. So what's going to happen? Well, Trump's going to be exonerated um, on Monday. I got a good feeling. It may be later in the week, but, um, and Monday's tomorrow. By the way, Monday's only 15 minutes away. Um, so uh, what may happen? Let's look at some of the things, you know, um uh, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people on the left. Uh, the communists are going to be very pissed off about this, and they're going to try to try to do something. I just got a feeling. So um, I just, you know, if anything, I want you, you folks to be careful because I know that most of my audience, you guys are, and ladies, excuse me, all of you, you're um, you're fairly conservative if you listen to this show, um, and you, I have no doubt, you're good people, and I don't want you to get hurt. Okay, so my advice would be, excuse me, um, tomorrow and uh, for maybe the next two or three weeks that follow, maybe longer, who knows, um, be careful if you're going into the cities. Um, That's where all the problems are going to be, in the cities. 
Um, you're going to have the Antifas and and all the other little splinter fringe groups out there that don't like Trump. Uh, they're going to be causing a lot of problems. Uh, my advice also would be to, if you've ever had to keep your mouth shut at work, keep it shut in the next few weeks. Because there's going to be people that are going to find reasons to turn you in HR or invent reasons to turn you in HR so that you'll get fired. Because if you're if you're a Christian and or a supporter of Trump, um, it's not going to be easy in the next few weeks because there's going to be a lot of angry people. And uh, if if you, it's it's better to just be quiet, okay? Don't go in there and brag. Oh, look what happened! Isn't that wonderful? Trump got exonerated. No, don't do that <laughs> for your own safety and your own good. Um, just uh, just go in there and do your job and go home, okay? Um, if you've got uh, if you do have to go into the cities and you live in a rural area that is uh, conservative and you got bumper stickers on your car, do not be surprised if your car is vandalized, or if your uh, you know people follow you around, maybe follow you to your house. I we personally do not put stickers on our cars. My wife and I and all of my friends we've taken our stickers off a long time ago. But it used to be popular back in the the uh, 60, late 60s, the uh, 70s, and the early 80s to put Christian stickers on your cars. We've all taken them off. It's just inviting a problem, you know. Um, so that that would be my advice. Uh, unless you know you're you're out for a fight, <laughs> you want to really. Um, create a lot of havoc then uh, i can't tell you what to do i'm just giving advice but um you know uh, i think i'll leave my maga hat home for the next <clears throat> two or three weeks and um won't wear that to work because i do that from time to time but um just be careful okay because there's going to be a lot of lunatics out there that they're michael savage says and rightly so that liberalism is a mental disorder Okay, and if you've seen the way they've been acting, they've been acting that's in a way that's not characteristic of the same people, of same person. So um, realize that they're they're kind of unhinged and they're not really. They most of them have one wheel that's rotating in the sand and they're not moving anywhere and they're getting frustrated. Um, so there's nothing worse than walking up to a frustrated person and trying to to preach to them or to, to tell them something. So uh, just, you know, stay clear of people that you know are dangerous. Um, you might even want to stay away from public places for the next two or three weeks just to be careful, okay? Because uh, I don't want you getting hurt, and I know you don't want to get hurt. So um, just uh, just be careful, okay? Um, just be careful. That's all I can say. Um, now I want to kind of switch things real quick, and um, I was gonna—I was thinking about doing this on a second show, but um, I just noticed something. And what I've been doing is um, I went back to school, and uh, I'm going for a, a bachelor's in uh, interdisciplinary, and part of it's uh, Christian studies because I'm going to a Christian college. And uh, yeah, it's real interesting when uh, I have to write stuff about stuff I don't agree with. Um, we're reading a book uh, called The Story of Christianity by uh, <laughs> Justo L. Gonzalez, and you can imagine that this man is probably as Catholic as Catholic gets, and and I'm not going to get into the whole Catholic-Protestant thing, but you know I tend to run, um, we call ourselves Baptocostals, because uh, we we like the the strictness of the Baptist, the the fundamentalist part of that, but we also like the freedom of the Pentecostal movement. So, um, and you and you can be that. Trust me, you can. It's it doesn't go against anything uh, unless you, um, well, if you do it in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> okay, it's okay. But anyway, this book is it started out really good, but it's it's really starting to lean towards Catholicism, and I just have to take it. I got to read it and I got to do my studies in order to get the class done. And, and I'll do that. And the professor is a really cool guy anyway. Uh, why he picked this book, I don't know. I don't know what his, uh, his affiliation is when it comes to uh, Christianity or faith or whatever. But, um, you know, you just do it so you get the grade. You don't have to agree with it. Um, and I never will write anything agreeing with uh, something I don't believe in. 
And there's ways to get around that. You know, all you got to do is pray about it, think about it, and the Lord will give you an answer. But anyway, um, so far, you know, I think the last chapter we were just finishing up. Uh, um, oh, I knew I was going to forget this guy's name. Um, Constantine. And him taking over the uh, the reins of the Roman Empire and combining it all together and and uh, basically making uh, Christianity a state religion. He didn't make it the state religion. He made it a state religion. That's a big mistake uh, that people get into. He uh, a lot of people. Oh yeah, he he made Christianity legal. Yes, he did, but he did not make it the the religion of the Roman Empire per se. Uh, Constantine uh, did not become a Christian, as far as I can tell. He held a lot of Christian values, but he never made a profession of faith, as far as I can tell. And he uh, basically used God to win battles. Um, He would pray to God before he went into battle. And I'm talking about the Christian God. And when he won, he gave God the accolades, and he won all the time. So it made it look like he was a Christian, but... uh, uh, he also um, allowed the uh, the pagan uh, religions to prosper, and basically, whatever religion you were, Constantine's time, that that was okay. Um, now, if you go before that, uh, you know, like right after Yeshua died, Jesus, um, the church was was well, the church in Israel was persecuted because, uh, and they were sought out because of the uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the the doctors of the law all set out Christians and tried to harm them. But in a Roman Empire proper, that didn't happen. Basically, you could do whatever you wanted to. Uh, and it was it was frowned upon because you weren't, um, uh, you weren't sacrificing to the emperor or to their gods or, or, uh, or participating in the pagan feast. But if you didn't, you know, make a big stink about it and you didn't make any enemies, you're okay. But if somebody has something against you, boy, they'd pull you right in. Uh, they'd accuse you. And if they accused you, you'd get court, called into court and um, or before the emperor or whatever. And uh, you would be asked to denounce Jesus. You'd be asked to burn incense to Caesar. And you'd be asked to uh, make a sacrifice to the pagan gods. So if you had all neighbors that were cool, or maybe all your neighbors are Christians, but who knows? Uh, at the beginning, that wasn't that didn't happen very much. But um, or if you uh, worshipped in your house and didn't go to the catacombs, uh, you worshipped in your house. You offended people because you were worshiping. Uh, you were actually called an atheist. Isn't that funny? Uh, back then, if you didn't serve the pagan gods, you were called an atheist. Uh, even if you were Christian, you were called an atheist. Um, but anyway, um, so they would they would turn you over to the authorities, and so you you tried to keep in good uh, uh, good terms with your neighbors and uh, and everything else and in your neighborhood. But um, and that that went on uh, for quite a while, and um, then heresies started to pop up. Boy, does that sound familiar today, huh? Um, that's why they had to make the Apostles' Creed. Um, and then there were a lot of church martyrs. And, uh, again, the martyrs were always people that were turned in by other people. The, the Romans never sought sought out Christians. They would always uh, uh, only take them uh, to court and, and martyr them when uh, they were turned in by their neighbors or, or whatever. Um, and then after a while, the church kind of went through a fragile piece. Sometimes there were emperors that were that were that tolerated Christianity. There were never emperors that were uh, Christians themselves, or or um, sanctioned Christianity. Uh, it was tolerated a lot of times. But again, if you were turned into the authorities, you were asked to do the three things I mentioned before. And if you didn't do them, you were either burned at the stake, or you went to the Colosseum and you were eaten by animals, hungry, vicious lions, and stuff like that. Um, so we had the fragile peace, and then um, Constantine came on the scene, and uh, there there were there were various different stories about how this happened. But supposedly he saw a vision in the sky, or had uh, one one account says he saw a vision in the sky, and the vision was um, this symbol. It looks like a P with an X through it. Uh, a lot of uh, Christian denominations use that. Uh, the uh, the mainstream ones. Um, it's it's a P with a long tail on it and then two X's uh, that go that 
that intersect through it down towards the bottom. And uh, that was the sign that Constantine supposedly saw in the sky or in a dream. And uh, he supposedly heard a voice say, by this sign, conquer. And uh, and he did. He won a lot of different battles and sometimes with uh, a third of the troops that the other side had. So he attributed that to the Christian God giving him victory. Okay. Oh, and then his mother went over into the Middle East and went to Jerusalem. And that's that's why in, in the old city of Jerusalem, uh, there's a dichotomy there because uh, what happened was his mother, Helena, went over there and said, okay, well, this spot must have been where... Uh, where where Mary had well Bethlehem where Mary had Jesus so this is going to be the church of the Holy Nativity uh, and you know this is where Mary spoke to the angel oh my goodness uh, there's no way that she could have possibly known that nobody could have told her that so uh, she just made up all these places and if you ever go to Jerusalem and you, you go to the non-orthodox part of Jerusalem um, you can uh, and I mean non-orthodox Christian. Uh, you can actually go to the the garden tomb, which makes a lot more sense because it's right, you know, you, from the garden tomb, you just look to the right and you see Golgotha, the place of the skull. And it's all as the Bible describes it. Okay. So um, if you go to churches in Bethlehem or if you go to them in, um, uh, in Jerusalem, they're probably not what they say they are. There's... <laughs> There's one place where uh, I was talking to one of my coworkers, and you could stick your hand in there, and it's supposedly there's a hole in the ground. It's supposedly where Jesus was born or something. And I'm like, boy, it would be a lot of fun to just have your hand on there and grab their hands when they come in there. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of irreverent and stuff like that, but it just it seemed to be like the ultimate practical joke. Um, so Constantine came, and he said all religions were okay. Um, then the church had some more problems with heretics. So they, uh, they all met at a place called Nicaea and, uh, a bunch of bishops. As a matter of fact, uh, Constantine's the one that asked them all to convene together, getting everything straightened out. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks have issues with the books that are missing out of the Bible and, uh, stuff like that. And that's where that all happened. And it was bishops from all over the Roman world that met there. Um, and that's where they came out with the, uh, the Nicene Creed. And if you grew up, uh, under any kind of, um, mainstream Christianity, my mother used to haul us off to, uh, um, uh, Episcopal church. Um, I don't know why we went to Episcopal church. She grew up Lutheran, um, the Jewish part came out later, but uh, she grew up Lutheran, and uh, uh, so I think of Episcopal is just because it was convenient. It was right down the street, and back then, you know, everything was the same, basically. Uh, as, as long as you were a Protestant you weren't a Catholic, you were okay, and, and the Catholics were like, well, as long as you're a Catholic and not any of those other religions, you're okay. So, anyway, um, so uh, being an Episcopalian at the time, she, she drug us off there. We had to go to Sunday school. And then about the time that you turned uh, 11 or 12, you start going through uh, the Catholic school of catechism. I think the it's called something else in uh, in the, um, the Anglican or the Episcopal Church. Uh, I can't remember right now, but you go through this and then you go through a ceremony and they hand you a uh, little prayer book that's got the Apostles' Creed and it's got the uh, the Nicene Creed in it too. And, you know, you're supposed to memorize all these things so you could be a good little Episcopalian and, and maybe someday uh, become an Episcopalian priest and then a bishop and everything else. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I don't know. I got off on that round. I'm sorry. There's a reason for it, though. Um <clears throat> So after this, um, Christianity was really picking up speed, kind of like it did in this country. Uh, uh, at the beginning, you know, everybody was, or most people in this country were Christians, not necessarily the politicians or the framers, but the average, you know, um, Joe and Mary or Tom, Dick and Harry or whatever, uh, were, all, were all Protestant believers. At the beginning, there were no Catholics in this country. They came later on, mostly settled in uh, Maryland. That's why they call it Maryland. Um, but anyway, uh, 
where am I going with this? Okay. So, uh, so the church started to gain notoriety. Everybody wanted to become a Christian. Uh, with the in- intermingling of the pagan holidays with the Christian holidays, the pagans, a lot of them were won over to kind of a watered-down Christianity, um, almost like what oh, Jesus described in the Laodicean church. Um, and uh, the, the church started taking in rich people, and whereas before that it was mostly the poor and oppressed that were part of the church. And then you started developing a laity, which is a church government. Um, you know, you had your, your bishops, and then you had your priests, and uh, your deacons, and, and everything else. So there, there started to be almost like a political office in the churches. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible does sanction that, the deacons and elders, okay? Um, and it does talk about bishops, too. So... Uh, but it's it's vastly different from what it was in the first and second century today anyway. But anyway, um, so this, the church started to become affluent. And, uh, you know, there's there's only one letter that's, that uh, separates affluent and effluent. Uh, effluent is basically uh, the, the water that runs from your toilet to the sewage treatment plant. So um, affluence can become effluence. Um, if it if you let it to, <laughs> let it be that way, um, Eric, I know a lot of times in our program talks about the 501c3 and how Trump is probably going to abolish that pretty soon or take it away, and it's only because um, <clears throat> the church has become an organization, not an organism anymore. Um, people mo- most of the time, and I'm not saying it's you if you tithe or if you give, but there's a lot of people that give. Um, just because they can write it off in their taxes. But have you noticed you can't do that anymore? Um, or, or it's been greatly decreased anyway. Um, so the 501c3 is on its way out. And, and I think that's going to be a wonderful thing. Um, so I'd, around that time, um, and you believe me, I've never believed in monasteries and stuff like that, but now I understand where they started. Um so because of the affluence and the, and the rich taking over the church and and they started to oppress the poor and they started to, you know, the only certain people could read the Bible. And, you, you know, it started to turn into the Catholic Church, basically, uh, the Roman Catholic Church or the Vatican uh, Catholic Church, however you want to put it. Um, that was the beginnings. It wasn't with Peter. It was about this time of the history, uh, approximately the third century, I think, maybe the early fourth. Um and uh, so people started, well, you know, I, I can't put, I can't do this. You know, I can't, I can't worship God the way I want to in this church, you know. And before, and before, you know, the, all the temples, not temples, what I'm trying to say, um, the cathedrals and stuff were built because Constantine was really big on building buildings, uh, large cathedrals and stuff like that, put a lot of money towards them. Um, but people started to realize that, you know, this wasn't what church used to be. Um, it used to be a gathering of people that met on every Sunday. And the reason that they did that is because it was the day that supposedly that, that Jesus rose from the grave. And um, so they called it the Lord's Day. And uh, uh, well, anyway, um, so uh, the church started to become affluent and effluent. And uh, people didn't like it. And they're like, I can't worship God the way I want to. So I'm going to. And trust me, I, I do understand this this next thing I'm going to explain. They became tired of people. Uh, they be, they didn't know who to trust anymore. They didn't know who was a Christian, who wasn't a Christian. Um, even if a person cited the Nicene or the Apostles' Creed, it didn't necessarily mean that they believed what they cited. I mean, my goodness, you know, even the Bible talks about Satan knowing Scripture, and he proved it when he uh, tried to tempt Christ in the in the uh, in the uh, desert that time. And I know I'm using a lot of Christian terms instead of Messianic folks uh, on this show. And I make no apologies for it because that's what I'm studying right now. So that's what's in my brain. But um, I usually use words like Messiah and uh, Yeshua and uh, Yahweh and stuff like that. But um, excuse me if that offends you. But um, it's just the way it is right now. Anyway. Um, so they started to go out into the desert, and they weren't just going out groups of people in the desert. It would be like one guy that said, I'm tired of this, 
and he would go down to Egypt or another place like that. He would find like an old abandoned ruin and just kind of take it over and live there and basically sing psalms all day. And uh, a lot of times the local population would come and leave him food and stuff like that. But he really didn't want anything to do with them. And um, and then later on, about 100 years later, I guess, if I remember reading correctly, they started to do communal. Um, they used to have communal monasteries. And this is where all those, you know, the, the brothers, uh, uh, you've probably seen it portrayed in movies or even read about it, but where, you know, there, there were some sects, S-E-C-T-S, that would uh, get together and they would take a vow of uh, poverty or some of them would take a vow of silence so they didn't talk. And a uh, really funny movie, um, the Frisco Kid, if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's, he, he gets uh, taken to a monastery. He's a Jewish guy traveling across the United States. gets taken to a monastery where they have a vow of silence, and he just can't understand that. And at the end, he gets them talking and laughing. It's pretty good. Um, but anyway, um, so people started to do that, and they started to form their own little church groups out in the desert. And uh, Like in Egypt, most of them were cops, K-O-P, uh, C-O-P-T-S. They were... Um, the older Egyptians that came to Christianity and, uh, they still exist to this day, actually the, the Coptic church. But, uh, what, what, what I'm going through this for is that I'm, I'm seeing a parallel. Okay. Um, and it's not over a period of hundreds of years. Uh, although, you know, you could, you could look at it historically that way and see it, that, that progression too, over hundreds or even, uh, uh the last two millennium. But, um, I'm seeing a parallel from even when I became a believer back in 1979. You know, when I was became a believer, it was right at the end of the Jesus movement. And man, it was it was I got to admit, man, you know, I never was big with the hippies, but um I like the way that the early that the church was when I became a believer. You know, the uh, uh people had broken away from the mainline churches and they were all into peace and love and joy and um all of our songs that we sang in church were actually psalms or other parts of scripture that people put into song form, and um, and we and we sang about the Lord. We sang about him, what He did for us and how thankful we were. Not what we nowadays people tend to sing sing about what they're doing for the Lord. And it's like, sorry, folks, that's works, and it doesn't get you into heaven, and God doesn't respect that because that doesn't make you righteous. Um, and I think it's a a lot of people do it in error because they've been doing it for so many years that they don't know how to, to worship any other way. But um, anyway, um, and I've noticed that a lot of people are fed up with church. And I'm not just talking about the mainline churches. They're fed up with the little church around the corner that's interdenominational, or excuse me, non-denominational. Um, they're fed up with uh, churches like the Calvary chapels and uh, the Assemblies of God. And if you look at those churches, their memberships are, are just drastically reducing, almost dwindling to nothing. And it's all because church has turned into churchianity. You know, people are searching for, for true uh, fellowship with God, not, not religion. And uh, plus uh, with the, the whole prosperity thing. A lot of churches have gone into that. You know, you, if you're barely making enough, first of all, the, the concept of tithing is Old Testament and it was for the priests, the Levites, the widows, and the poor. Um, you could use the argument that the uh, the pastor down at the corner is a priest, uh, but he's really not. He's a pastor. There is a difference. And the scripture that really nullifies the tithing thing is where... Um, Paul talks about, I think it's in Romans where he talks about we're all priests and Levites because of Jesus. Uh, no, we're all priests and kings because of Jesus. So if we're all priests, then we could tie it to ourselves. I don't know. That's that's kind of weird. But anyway, um, so, um, yeah, the whole tithing thing has burned a lot of people out. Um, man, I, when at its zenith, you know, back in the, the 80s, I remember... <laughs> um, pastors coming up and saying hey if you uh i think some some guy got a uh some kind of uh, an insurance uh, payout and the pastor was right there hey you got to give that 10 percent of that well no that's not a wage that's an award 
you know, and then um, I remember talking with people and uh, at the time I was out of work and I'd say, well, you know, I, I, I did plumbing work for people and, you know, put stuff in their house and, and fix pipes and stuff. And, and I said, you know, normally I get paid like $27 an hour. Not back then it was like 32 and that was good back in the eighties. And I'd say, well, you know, $32 an hour. And I worked at their house for five hours. You know, I, isn't that like uh, donating, uh, Oh, if it was $30 an hour, uh, $150, you know, towards, towards heavenly causes, you know, towards, uh, helping my brother and sister. Oh, no, no, no. They'd say, that's not a, that's not a tie. That's a gift. You still have to tie 10%. We got a wage coming in. How are you going to tie 10%? Well, anyway, they put a big, um, uh, yoke around people's, uh, necks and, and Jesus talked about that. He says, he told people to cast off yokes and take up his yoke, uh, because his yoke was easy and his burden was light, you know? So, um, and I always, oh, it just always cracked me up. Um, you know, oh, you have to tithe. Well, okay. So if I have to tithe, can I also eat kosher and can I, can I keep the Sabbath on Saturday? Because that's what the Old Testament says to do, too. And I was really serious because, you know, my messianic roots. Um, uh, oh, no, you can't do that. That's the Old Testament. Well, so is tithing. Well, that's okay. You know, that's the one law that Jesus didn't nail to the cross. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, you know, it's things like that that cause people, like like the monastists that... Uh, you know, back in the, in the time of uh, Charlemagne or thereafter, that caused people to go into the desert because they didn't want to have anything to do with the church. And and then, they, like I said, they started forming little groups of uh, monasteries. You know, each person would be their, their own um, uh, monk. And uh, maybe there'd be a monk with his family and they'd live out there and then they'd all come together on Sunday and uh, and, and break bread together and stuff. and, and uh, so the church lost people and basically what they did is they started their own church somewhere else. So, um, but it was without all the restrictions that the, the rich and, uh, ecclesiastical and, uh, the late, the laity had imposed on people. And, and that's what I see in today's culture. You know, I see more people wanting to get into home groups and, and get away from the, the church at large. Um, now, that being said, you know, I, I did that for a while. I did the hermitage thing for a while and, and I felt like I was doing the right thing, but at the same time I wasn't because I realized that I was kind of going, going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, when where spirituality is concerned. Well, you know, I wasn't going to hell, but my, my relationship with the Lord wasn't what it's supposed to be. And, and so I, um, I started going back to church, but, um, and the scripture says, do not forsake the fellowship as some, as some have made a practice of. And I didn't want to disobey God. So I, I started going back. But anyway, um, so I see a pattern repeating itself to where people are leaving the church and they're starting. I see the little groups that I mentioned last, um, of, uh, little, of the monks that got together as being people that quit going to church, but started going to home groups. And so, um, it's it's real interesting to see this. It really is, and and uh, and in the meantime, you know the the mainline churches and the other churches are all melding together to become one uh, ecumenical body uh, that is going to be run by the Catholic Church again. So, um, so we've come full circle, you know. And I I totally agree with Eric that the 501c3 needs to go. It needs to go away. Um, if you're giving in order to be able to claim it on taxes next year, shame on you. Yeah, the law allows you to do it, but if that's your, if that's your reason for giving, you know, don't give. You know, just keep the money and don't worry about the taxes. Um, anyway, it's 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 just a, a sticky wicket. But anyway, those are just a couple of things I wanted to talk about tonight, um, and. Uh, I, I, I seem to have the time this weekend because, uh, um, I don't know, you get old and you do, you do dumb things. And, uh, this last Monday I was walking down the stairs and I happened to miss one of them and I ended up falling on my back and sliding down the stairs. And 
So I'm kind of out of commission a little bit this weekend from work, so I'm home. And and I figured, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just get on and I'll share some of my thoughts. And uh, so that's what I've done tonight. And uh, and like I said, uh, in a couple of days on Monday evening, we'll we'll be back on with Jim and Eric. And uh, but I just wanted to, to give food for thought. And the most important thing was that with this thing with Trump. Uh, being exonerated that uh, it's going to tick a lot of people off. And if you're a Trump supporter or you're, you're a believer even, because um, all believers now are being equated with being Trump supporters, uh, at least if you're, you're in a, a small church or a, um, uh, or interdenominational or non-denominational church, you're seen as being a Trump supporter. So um, another thing you might want to consider um and I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, either posting armed guards or letting some guys that carry come into your church, because uh, I, I, I do not see it as being beneath some of these these groups like Antifa or, <clears throat> or whatever, these fringe groups. I don't see it being beneath them to uh, to come into churches and start shooting them up now. Um, if you've seen Antifa and you've seen some of the weirdness that goes on and, and the way they believe, my goodness. Uh, I don't see it's not beyond them coming into a church and either with baseball bats or whatever, or even guns to try to, to, uh, to break things up <clears throat> or to kill people. And, uh, so it's, I think it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, we take care of that where I go, but, uh, anyway, I think it's wise. I think all churches should, uh, post armed guards or, or allow carrying people to carry in church. So, um, I know a lot of people don't see that, you know, where's your faith in God and stuff like that. Well, God told, didn't tell you to be stupid either. Um, yes, we're supposed to have faith in him, but, uh, we're also supposed to protect one another. You're supposed to protect your brothers and sisters from harm, uh, to be there for them when they need you, you know, and, uh, to let them, let them be, uh, slaughtered like lambs is not my idea of loving your brother or sister. Uh, but that's me. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, it's a little after 12 now, and I think I'm going to uh, go close my eyes and uh, get a good night's sleep. So um, I wish all of you a, a very uh, happy and prosperous weekend. And until we meet on Monday night, um, by the way, if, if you're listening to this before Monday night, uh, we meet on Mondays at uh, 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern. And if you live in the middle, do the math. Um, and, uh, we'd like to have you as an audience. Uh, we, we relish our audience. We love our audience and, and, uh, we're not beyond being, uh, corrected if that needs to be done. And, uh, but, um, we're not going to be, uh, pushed around either. So anyway, um, you have a blessed weekend. Okay. And, uh, if you decide to come on Monday, if not, you can download the show from the website on Spreaker. At Spreaker.com forward slash opposing dash the dash matrix. And um, if you need to, to do this, you can go to, uh, or if you have a desire to listen to um, one of the real older shows or something, all of our shows are archived, and the links to those shows can be found at the Delusion Resistance website. That's at delusionresistance.org. That's all one word. And uh, just go to the top where it says Radio Show Archive. Uh, click on that. Um, this is our 10th year on the air. Um, so you can uh, go all the way back. I think we started like in November of 2010. So uh, November of this year will be the 10th, actually the 10th anniversary. Maybe we'll do something special for that. We'll have to talk about that. But um, and as always, uh, if you come in via Spreaker, we have a chat room. You can chat with us, ask us questions. Um, I try to get to all the questions and and, and present them to uh, me and uh, uh, Jim and Eric, and uh, we try to answer them the best we can. So um, one of these days, um, I do have a Skype phone number, so one of these days we can try to figure it out to where people can call in. I don't have the technical prowess to do that right now, but I think it's possible with Skype. And um, so we might start that up pretty soon. <clears throat> but be it known that, uh, you know, we, we, we will put up with uh, uh, callers that call with good intent. Um, 
you can call the dispute something, but uh, do it nicely or you'll get hung up on. Uh, we do not, uh, we're not uh, whipping posts and we're not going to put up with uh, uh, being yelled at or cussed at or anything like that. But if you come in and you have a, an opposing thought and you present it in a, um, a kind and decent manner and ask it as a question and not as a, uh, a grandstand, uh, we'd be glad to listen and, and talk with you about it. So anyway, that's in the future and, uh, keep praying that, uh, that that happens soon. So anyway, that's been saying goodbye for a long time now. So goodbye. Have a, um, a great weekend and we will see you on Monday. God bless you all in Yeshua's name. Amen.